All right, and welcome to the latest No Major Opinions uh, podcast. This is the first one we're doing pre-recorded instead of live, just for convenience sake. Uh, it should also be a little cleaner product at the end. Trying something new. So, uh, that being said, uh, let's go by through, uh, talk about what we've been doing lately. I've been playing, a, staying at home, playing video games, having a time. Uh, I played... Outer Wilds, that was good. I've been playing a crap ton of uh, Invisible Ink. It's really addictive. Noita, Among Us, Subnautica, Below Zero, they're all fun. Lurk, what's up? Yeah, so I've been in kind of like job hell lately. So I haven't been playing too many games or doing too much stuff, but I did manage to speedrun Anesan, like, what was that, like a month ago now? Maybe that was two months ago, but that was the last speedrunning thing I've been able to do. And then the last video game I've been able to play is that, you know, like, early access, uh, Grounded. It's like Honey Shrunk the Kids meets a Minecraft, almost, and survival <laughs> game, like The Forest. It's alright. It's pretty good, actually. Dan? Uh, I've been in job hell as well, except for the fact that there really is no work when your job is dependent on people getting together kind of dealio. So, I've been doing a lot of different things, trying to get more into, like, the dynamic portions of streaming with like the speed control node cg stuff but video game wise i've actually had a lot of fun playing uh digimon cyber sleuth which is a game i bought actually digitally when it first came out on the PSTV, and it's what i've been playing on it is really fun i can't remember the last time i've had this much fun maybe it was when i played like the original pokemon uh gold back in the day because uh I, maybe the ds one as well but if you're really into like the Pokemon games, and I know a lot of people have been really disappointed with like uh, Sword and Shield and everything like that, Digimon Cyber Sleuth is really where it's at. It is super fun. And uh, I actually bought it again on the Switch because Amazon had it for like 20 or 30 uh, Canadian uh, on sale like a month or two ago. And it comes with the original game and the uh, kind of side sequel, uh, Hacker's Memory. And I think it's also on PC now as well. So I highly recommend that game. I've yet to beat it because, you know, my time kind of comes and goes depending on what I'm working on. But it is a super fun game. I can highly recommend it. It reminds me, I kind of like a future episode should be on how to like find retro games cheap. Like where what, what sites to do look at beyond like eBay oh, that's and a good Amazon. One, yeah. Oh, yeah, that would be great. And I guess, yeah, not just games, but also equipment. Because I know for like a PlayStation games, it's like which versions of consoles you want, how to find them. Always buy from Japan if, if it's an option. I've Every box I've gotten from Japan uh, has been like perfectly taped up. It's all super neat. The, the, the packages are always in like pristine condition as all well the product. It's just, it's just great. <laughs> it's actually, uh, yeah, uh, upcoming events reminds me that like a... Uh, jrdq japan relief done quick that was like the first online gdq marathon that was like nine ten years ago with the covid now that there's like a lot of online events where people would usually do in-person ones dan you wanted to talk about it yeah so i mean we kind of experienced it ourselves with the transition from an on-site event to an online event where all of a sudden you know there's this event that it has some sort of expectations and we now need to kind of replicate that with online and that's pretty much the situation everybody's been in and it's been interesting to see how different people respond to the exact same predicament uh, in our case you know 
we did it the way we did uh, with webcams being optional. We tried out the uh, SRT stuff, which is bleeding edge, but it's uh, continuing to get better as the days go. ESA did their own thing where they actually compiled their own custom OBS and had runners use that because uh, I've looked into it, but I never tried it. They actually did a thing where you would stream in surround sound, quote unquote, but it's not actually surround sound. It's the fact that you like your game is left and right, but then your mic, your own microphone would be like rear left and then your Discord audio would be like a rear right. So then it, it looks like surround sound to Twitch, but then on their end, they would just kind of chop up all the different channels and do their own mix. And then GDQ did that, but on a much simpler method. They basically just had the runners have all the commentary audio on like the left and all the game audio on the right. And then on their end, they would just balance between the two themselves. So it doesn't matter how kind of like the runner balanced it as long as they were on the correct left and right. Twitch only supports the two channels or like stereo left and right. No, it actually does support uh, surround sound streams. It's just a oh, wow. it is a very un not not unknown because it is known, but it's a very unused feature of using uh, surround sound. For upcoming events, we do actually have Speed Docs that is happening on the NASA channel. It's kind of like a new collaboration that uh, has come up. It mainly the people running Speed Docs already helped out Quo with ICA Aid, and that event went really well. So they were like, "Hey, could NASA help us with our own event?" And we said yes. So that's going to be a thing. What are they doing? Is it just like just for fun or what are they doing it for? I checked into it. The money is going for St. Jude's. So I believe there is some gamer thingy because I know St. Jude's is like a very popular place to send funds for because I think that it's gamer related in some fashion. But the money's going there. And then for other events also, there is uh, UKSM at EGX Digital and the only the reason that one kind of pops out to me is because I believe that event actually had a lot of issues with even happening. I believe that was not not this specific one, but I remember earlier in the kind of start of the whole Corona stuff, they had a venue and then Red Bull kind of pulled out and everything like that. So, so are they in live or is it? I would assume that it's some sort of hybrid if it's tied to an event like EGX Digital, I would assume it's some sort of hybrid where maybe they're on site, but all the runners are virtual or something like that. I'm not super knowledgeable in kind of how UK is with all their reopenings and stuff like that. So it's something to, it's something to look into. There are other events. They just didn't really poke out at me. And uh, for op there is an event actually that is opening up their uh, submission soon. And that is really, really long-a-thon four. So that's always uh, entertaining because there's so many runs that people do that just take an absurd amount of time in comparison to other runs. So it's nice to have events like that. Plus, uh, Rod helps out with that event, uh, I learned. So, you know, got to support people who support us. Yeah, who's Rod? That's true. Rod is uh, somebody who helped out with ARPGME. And he also helped us with NASA. He wrote a lot of, not a lot, he wrote basically the code that takes an SRT stream and then kind of converts it into an RTMP stream, which is what everybody else is, what everybody else uses. So that way, in theory, for our event, NASA that happened, you would stream in this kind of like super robust method where like even if your internet is totally garbage, 
you wouldn't be dropping frames and stuff like that. We would get the stream perfect on our super solid connection, and then we would forward that to everybody else who needs it. And it actually did work correctly because FFR is on very terrible boonie internet and we got them set up with SRT and beyond the audio issues that were kind of out of our control, the stream was solid. So SRT, when it works, it works. Yeah, shout out to Rod. And then I see here, Negleria also has uh, an event that he wanted to bring up. Dust Force 2020 Summer Map Making Competition. This is one's a lot more like, uh, you know, niche, but... Uh... If you like Dust Force, uh, September 4th is the due date for a map-making competition. You can talk about, uh, join their Discord if, if you want to enter it. There's actually a cash prize, I think, like $100, whoever wins. Uh, it's, it's Dust Force. It's a cool game. Nice. Yeah, Dust Force is cool. <laughs> yeah. So what's our main topic? Uh, the main topic, I guess, like, kind of two we want to talk about, but the big one is, like, how COVID forced online events... Second topic would be ousting shitty people, which a lot of uh, communities have been rightly doing. Uh, and I think, yeah, Dan, you kind of already been talking a bit about online events. Yeah, so it's really been interesting how people respond to converting their events to be fully online. There was our own event, obviously, which uh, was super interesting because, again, we tried the SRT stuff. We had to, we really pushed the whole audio because Personally, I feel video really nobody cares about, but audio, if you sound like poop, a lot of people just tune out and don't want to watch at all. So making sure that people sounded the very best they could, like microphone positioning and everything like that, I think really helped set our event apart from the other online events that we've helped host and everything like that. Like it was actually really reasonable quality and the feedback we got as well was that, you know, we were really well prepared that never had to touch the Frankerface Z compressor for the Twitch player and everything like that. So overall, uh, we did an excellent job. But other people as well, uh, you know, GDQ, ESA, Calithon, all that stuff, they've had to kind of do online events. And it's really been interesting how they respond as well. ESA had the mandatory uh, face cams and the mandatory uh, bit rates and all that stuff to pretty much force... Uh, on a technical level quality and uh, they got a really kind of well looking stream for that but of course they had to not take in submissions from certain people gdq kind of did a hybrid where they didn't really force face cams on anybody but there were also some quality things and everything like that i know that they had like virtual audio cable stuff that they wanted to make everyone use esa also made people use that stuff yeah for so their audio routing like in comparison to us we just kind of walked the runner through balancing all the audio like, hey, bring up this person in Discord. Hey, your microphone should be louder. Hey, your game should be quieter. Maybe add a filter uh, on this and that, right? Like we just walked the runner through the audio setup, which I think is a little bit better because now that person has like a solid understanding of their audio for their future streams. Like it's an improvement. Meanwhile, I mean, sometimes it took an hour, but yeah. Yeah, like. Yeah. Also, uh, on the aspect of internet, like how, uh, you know, Canada and the U.S. are, like, gigantic, there's a lot of rural areas that just don't have access to, like, decent internet. Europe, I th in general, is better for that. So, like, the bitrate standards would be a lot less of a cutoff threshold compared to the, you know, people in the Canada and U.S. Like, uh, actually, on that topic, I remember when I went to Poland and my uh, grandparents' house, which is, like, in a farm in a super tiny village of, like, maybe a dozen buildings they have 
they had better internet than what I had at my place. I was like, how? Where did you? Where was your place? That was like it's at St. Catharines. Yeah, like for yeah, that's like basically Toronto. <laughs> I know, right? Like the the internet's kind of weird here because there's parts of the city that has a little bit better infrastructure and everything, but. Yeah, it was surprising that there was such good internet at just like a farm in the middle of nowhere. I was like, holy moly. Yeah, so, you know, obviously different internet, a lot of rural people that stream with a lot smaller bit rates, you kind of cut off all those people. But uh, like Lurk was mentioning with the virtual audio cables, ESA did like a surround sound thing where uh, it's a little unknown thing that Twitch actually handles surround sound on their streams. So what ESA did was they got runners to do a lot of virtual audio cable stuff and use their custom compiled OBS that I think did a little a little couple extra things. And they had like the game in the front left and right, like your microphone in like the rear left and the Discord in the rear right. Like there was a lot of audio routing if you did an ESA run, which let the, you know, which let tech kind of do their own mix. But again, the the runner really just only learns how to route audio. They don't really know how to improve their own streams and then gdq did like a hybrid where they just had the runner pan all the audio uh for like speaking so like their microphone discord to the left and then their game audio to the right uh technically the result is mono when you mix the two together and balance it but realistically a lot of people listen on phones and that's a mono speaker anyways and most of the time the games themselves don't really have that stereo separation going on so it's not too much of a loss there it's definitely a smart move, I think. I think f- mostly, though, a lot of events have just been doing what we did, was where they just kind of walk the runner through. Maybe not as robust as we have, but uh, that's what they've been doing. Uh, actually, GSPS, which is a Polish speedrun event, uh, actually took a lot of our tips on like microphone placement and everything like that and translated uh, a lot of the tips for their runners because it... Audio is universal, right? The, a microphone placement doesn't magically change because, you know, you're halfway across the world or whatever. Like, it's universal. So that's the biggest improvement I think online events really went through was the audio. Well, I think it's the most, it's it's the thing that really turns people off. If the audio isn't good, at least in my opinion, that's what's going to make me turn off a stream faster than if the video doesn't look right. Oh, yeah. And I mean, nowadays we have that Franker Phase Z compressor, which does help things out a lot. Yeah, that thing's a godsend. Holy shit. Yeah, there there are a couple people that I do watch and like their Discord audio is like one level, their microphone's another level, and their game's like a completely different level. And it's just otherwise you'd constantly have to play with the volume slider, but you know, you just turn that compressor on and boom, things are actually kind of reasonable to listen to. Yeah, I listened to this one streamer and they play music in the background and I literally can't hear it on my speakers or if I wear headphones unless I'm using the audio compressor. I don't get how anybody else listens to it. (laughs) Well, I think the big thing is that streamers don't really listen to their own audio until after the fact. So if there's anything wrong, most people don't really realize that anything's wrong. They don't know what things are supposed to sound like. Uh, I know for myself, like I'll be talking and then all of a sudden check the VOD or I listen to myself and I'm like, oh, it's not supposed to be like that. Well, the OBS colors on the on the audio peaking thing is 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 deceptive. Yes. Yeah, they're not ideal. <laughs> yeah, like it, it's red in where you actually want to be just about hitting. Like, talk. yeah, the talking should be like almost like at the very edge of that red bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you really want to be talking more around like negative 5 dB or so. But for a lot of people, they'll see the green and they'll be like, oh, that's where I want to be. And that's negative 20. 
Like, that's terrible. Yeah, that's like the negative 20 is where you do like backup recordings of to make sure you don't clip and everything like that. So you can change that, too. I can't, I can't remember how it's a setting yeah. in OBS. Yeah, it's like true peak or something. But still, I feel like they should still reverse it. Yeah. yeah. I do know that behind the scenes, the the kind of the audio portion of OBS is kind of neglected looking at all the GitHub issues and everything. There, there will be people who ask, like, hey, can we get it like this because this is reasonable? And they're like, well, you know, that that's kind of, like, really low on the priority list. Actually, there's one more thing about uh, online events as well that I want to bring up is that some of them have been kind of hybrid in a sense. Uh, GDQ actually had a lot of, not a lot of people, they had a handful of the staff get together in one place. So that way they would, you know, there would be one computer and people take shifts kind of controlling it and all that stuff. Like the HQ kind of Yeah, and um, actually GSPS is doing the same thing where they have a a couple people at the one home. I know they actually had one race happen as well because one of the racers was staff, and so they just kind of invited the other person. So that way setting up the race was a lot easier, you know, less setup time because you can do it actually before stuff and everything. Yeah, because with the remote stuff, ideally it would all be the same, but like it's just easier in person. It's kind of... I kind of wish we could have somewhat done that for NASA because it definitely would have been a little bit easier if there was like a handful of us in one place kind of controlling everything. But with the remote setup that we have where people remote into our one server with the gigabit connection and you control OBS remotely with like super low latency and everything, that's been working really well to the point where Quo actually asked like, hey, for speed docs is it allowed to use it? And I'm like, of course it is. If you're, you know, partnering with us, that's kind of one of the perks. And he's like, oh my God, that's awesome. So that's yeah, funny. It's actually what we used to do with the old SRGM marathons, but we would use like, you know, team viewer or whatever. And it was super bad. It was like super hard to use. Latency was all over the place, but now we're using no machine. And I guess like Parsec for uh, marbles. And that was really, really good. Like, as long as the hosts thing has a good enough internet, like you said, with the gigabit, it's like, it was, it was, it was legit. Oh, yeah. I remember for the one time I actually helped with restreaming, um, what's the one event that uh, Shadix started up? Shotsathon? Shots fired. Shots fired. That's the one. It, it was the same thing where it was kind of a remote connection to uh, Chops's PC, but it was through TeamViewer. And it was just like so annoying to get stuff done if you had to crop or do anything because of the latency involved. But yeah, no machine has been super solid. Highly recommended if people are trying to set up like a remote connection. Yeah, one of the benefits that people have with going online is that all of these people stream to some capacity, or at least you would hope that everybody who's kind of joining in streams to some capacity. Shout outs to the uh, Kirby Runner. Okay, so it's a funny fact that you mentioned the Kirby Run because. Uh, for GSPS that I've been reading donations, a lot of people are like, oh, I hope my run, like, the, the, the mic wasn't all that great and everything. I'm like, guys, there there was literally a run where there was, like, a drill involved and, like, parents, like, trying to kick the kid off the computer. Motorcycles. Yeah, it, it like, don't worry. The bar is very low. But I do also want to shout out uh, the runner, Mushy, because even though, you know, the, there was the drill sounds and everything, his audio setup was super solid. Like, you didn't even touch it. True. The Discord, you know, that we didn't even check it, and it was too low, so we had to get around that. But the audio setup was fine, and the run was actually, you know, pretty good as well from what I could tell. So I want to give him a shout-out. All right, so the next topic is ousting toxic people or just 
ousting people from a community. And for the purpose of this topic, everything that we're talking about are alleged situations. Uh, some people, it's just like, oh, they had cheated runs. Uh, they're not necessarily bad dudes. Like EXO uh, or Lee SDA, where it's like, oh, there was cheating in these runs. They're so, like, we're removing your times. You're not necessarily like removing it from the community. Oh, just yeah. Times per se. In Lee's case, it was like comedic where he actually had a controller cam and he was trying to like fake inputs and like stream during marathons and shit and people just didn't look at it for a long ass while like it, it was actually like i was laughing my ass off when, when that shit was uh caught but uh that's like that's like probably the ideal form of like when, when you want to like remove someone where it's like they're, they're, they haven't done anything like emotionally awful uh because there's some people are just like kind of being an asshole uh, there's like a lot of different, you know, uh, layers. Uh, there's like, it, it's not just good and bad. There's a lot of different uh, reasons you'd want to like remove someone. Uh, like the most extreme case would be like OJ Simpson, where he's just a, a, a literal murderer. Uh, he's like lost the Heisman Trophy and stuff. The only gaming equivalent to that I know of is recently there's a the Twin Galaxies poster slash gamer. Uh, I don't know how much he was associated with the site, but Rudy J. Ferretti. Uh, like murdered someone and that's like the nightmare scenario of someone being like you know as awful as possible mm -hmm. and that's like someone you do not want interacting in the community at all that that would be someone who you just like remove entirely like don't even don't acknowledge anything don't communicate with them luckily for the most part the you know people uh, as awful as that are not very common uh, i've seen some people who are because of, like, uh, abuse in the past, like, emotional or physical, where uh, people would just want to remove them, and I, like, it makes sense. Uh, exactly how they go about doing it, uh, whether it's removing times from the leaderboard or just cutting off contact with them, it's somewhat case by case, but it's, I think it's, a, it's good that it's being done. Get rid of shitty people. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's really disheartening to keep reading about these, like, sexual assault allegations and grooming and, and and some of these other behaviors from folks that like i don't really know but like i know of yeah uh, al malicious i think comes to mind where it, like all those like messages to some underage girl or whatever it's just like so weird and and yeah every like the, th the things i'm reading they're just like so like oh why like what like <laughs> like what are you doing like what like why like what why like no and yeah, like there's a difference between someone who's just awkward and like is, is you know socially awkward, doesn't communicate well, and that it's it's very like easy to tell the difference between someone who's just weird and someone who's actually being abusive. And in this case, there's depressingly mm -hmm. quite a few. Yeah, it's really just like oh, like why? <laughs> and some of them have been going on for a while. Like um, the one that comes to mind is actually Irregular Ginny, where. You know, people maybe in the speedrunning community didn't really know, but in like the con community, apparently it was really well known what he was doing. And until kind of the, the two worlds collided, people had zero idea what was going on. I mean, it's hard to know. I think sometimes when like, I think some people did know within the speedrunning community, but they didn't speak up about it necessarily either either because they didn't feel like it was their place or he didn't really hold any sort of like positions that really had any like roles of power you know 
um, anything that really mattered. Once he became like, what was it like, a, like a codified member of, of of ESA or like like a more serious member of ESA? That's when the like the the allegations really came up, and everybody like was like, yeah. General with stuff like this, uh, I think like the best advice is to like isolate abusers and then support victims. That's like agreed. Like get like the people who've been doing bad shit, just like I get get them away from uh like who they've been abusing. I, uh, like uh, isolate them. In terms of, like, you know, communications and shit. And then whoever's been hurt, just support them as much as you can. Yeah, and I mean, there there is the thing as well that kind of... Potentially these people, like, are your friends and everything like that. But I don't know if necessarily trying to talk to them and everything like that in public is the way to go about things. I don't know why people have this weird mentality where, like, they read something. Oh, fucking tweet longers for everything. In yeah, business. like... Okay, you learn something. Is why is your first response to do like a public tweet about it? Like why why are half of these conversations that really should be private public is what I don't understand. Cause, yeah, like because like, there's some things where if someone's like been extremely abusive, that's absolutely you should like tell tell the world like you know go to the press. Uh, and then some of it, it's like it, it seems like it's a very I, I've seen some cases of people where it's like they had just. In issues dealing with like them and another person, it's like it's not a uh, it's like an argument they've had. It's like very personal stuff that's not really it, it like it wouldn't hurt anyone else. This like either person involved, in which case it's like I, I like I don't like that's just like airing dirty laundry, I guess. Yeah, it, it, can, it can be a fine line though between like this person was like an asshole, but like where, what if they were like emotionally abusive? There's like it, it can be hard to you know compare the two yeah i think there's a difference between like like reading um uh, barbie's allegation against caleb 42 was like way different than reading ricky's you know untold story of bone saw you know like the two things were just so far apart oh yeah i i guess yeah a lot of people like mistook ricky's thing as being like uh, uh treating like bone saw like he's uh as bad as I definitely did yeah. the framing of the fr- that. Was yeah, like yeah, it was the, the framing. So unreal. It was just like uh, he just like wanted an apology for him being like an asshole, and it's but it, like the framing in like in the context of all the everyone else who's been reporting, uh, I guess much worse offenses. Uh, it, it's yeah, yeah. That that was unfortunate. <laughs> I c- I can see why someone like Barbie would go public with their story about things and want to be more um outwardly public about about that sort of thing but the but the thing that ricky was was like wrote the 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 tweet longer about just just message bone saw about like why did you air that publicly i think that's what is it's just an example of like not disheartening stuff stuff like you know it's like you could have just took care of yeah and now just like that realistically that situation is just worse and probably never to be recoverable at this point yeah, because it's like, I want to see even people like uh, who have done awful things, I always want to like believe in redemption. And in the case of like minor, uh, 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 like people being like, uh, you know, cruel or emotionally abusive, uh, that's like, it, it can be truly, truly awful. And it can be uh, a much more minor thing of just like, you got angry in an argument and I, I, like I, I want to see everyone, every all the problems get resolved. Everyone be happy, but it's there's no real like standardized way of addressing everything. I don't know if there can be. That's yeah. For certain situations, it's just you know there's there's just a line that's crossed, like the stiv and um and um 
giant waffle uh s- scenario like, oh god yeah that's like that's that's no coming that's back awful that. that's like uh, like uh, i i mean i've seen like stories of people who were like uh like in their 20s they were like murderers but in their 40s like after prison they're like redeemed people they felt re- truly remorseful about what they did and changed but this is like you know people who did awful things you know, currently or like within the past few years and they don't feel remorseful and that's very, very, very different. Yeah, it's also as well when, you know, you see people respond to different allegations and everything like that and it's very obvious when the person is very much sorry for when they got caught and not for what they actually did because, you know, they're, they're yeah. always kind of like changing the wording or kind of offloading blame and everything like that. It's very much obvious that it's just like, well... Yeah, it sucks because I was caught. Like now it's out there. I, I'm I'm sorry. Instead of just being like I am true, like I, I, I yeah, I guess a good example a good example of this with regards to like cheating is the uh, Todd Rogers who just rather than like owning up to be like oh yeah this like this was cheated uh, like you just uh, he just like doubled down on the dragster thing being like a record uh, and it's like. I feel like if you ever do make a mistake, no matter what size, whether it's like, uh, whether it's like a like a horrible evil or just a very minor squabble, the the best thing to do is like own up to it and then try to like better yourself so it doesn't happen again. And people who are like instead just trying to hide it and then like continue the activity, like even for minor shit, I feel like that's like a it's an awful thing to do. It's a like awful mindset. Which can just lead to worse shit, shit. It's not good. Yeah, I think Worcester had a pretty good response when when the allegations against him came out from his ex-girlfriend or whatever, whose name I, I, I can't remember. Apologize. Yeah. Where he was, you know, initially tweeting about believing survivors and, 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 and good things like that. You know, and then these allegations came out and he was like, I still think you should believe survivors even if I'm the one being accused. And I was like, yeah. I very much appreciated that tweet. Like, it... It, he truly believed that, yes, even if, like, people are coming out and saying stuff about me, you still should give, you should still believe them. And it's one of the things as well, kind of when you look at things, that pretty much people jump into two camps. Either the person is 100% telling the truth or the person's 100% lying. Personally, I always find that there is truth in the middle. Doesn't, you know, doesn't necessarily have to be 50-50, but if they're saying something to that extent, there's definitely some sort of truth behind it unless the person's really just a pathological liar in which case the other side will show their yeah, facts even looking and, at know, like uh, we'll have to make our decisions ourselves i think right? like against like legal cases like the percentage of like false accusation and shit is extremely low like it's it's a very low occurrence like it does happen that which is why like you know innocent until proven guilty and the law exists and all that shit but there should not be a knee-jerk reaction to assume someone is lying uh, unless they're known to be, uh, you know, a, a, a pathological liar. Well, I think the thing is, is that when allegations come out and everything like that, everyone's first response is to automatically give a verdict without really going through process or anything like that or yeah. waiting for a response or anything like that. It's just like, well, this came out. Clearly, this person is terrible, disassociate immediately, cut all ties. And, you know, it, it, with the internet, everything works so quickly. If something's not responded to in like even an hour, it feels like an eternity. That, not to really change the topic, 
but like when Dr. Disrespect got uh, banned from Twitch, nobody knew what was going on. And it was maybe like only two weeks until, you know, he started stream- maybe three. Um, it, it rel- In the span of things, it was a relatively short time that, you know, he got back onto YouTube and, you know, did interviews and stuff like that. But for the for the short while where there was literally no response, people were going insane on why he could have been banned. They were thinking up this and people were saying, you know, oh, it must be because of this and that, like just absurd reasonings. That's like a byproduct of the, you know, instant information, gra- like uh, Twitter, internet verse, is that it, when people aren't, you know, when they don't know something, they it leads to like a like a quicker creation of grand conspiracy theories. And that uh, uh, that's just kind of like, I don't know if there's anything that can be done about that. It's just like a negative aspect of the world we live in today. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> this is a great podcast. <laughs> As we talk about all this, if people do want to bring stuff up in private, like, hey, this happened, you know, at our event, or hey, there's this person who will go to your event, and, you know, there, there's this, I'm not comfortable with this person because of this and that, definitely reach out to us. We take allegations like that very, very seriously. And our, we want everyone to feel safe. And I know that a lot of people already know that that's kind of like our number one priority is to make sure that everyone feels safe at our events. But I feel like it, we should just reiterate that, that we will definitely listen to you if you need to come up to us with something in private about any topic. Yeah, like whether it's something like very, very important to you or even just minor. Uh, and I think that's probably true of most you know, organizations, I want to say, like, uh, uh, like in general, people will like always, uh, uh, like at least the ones I know will like support victims or help people who've uh, been like suffering shit, try to like make the places like ideal as possible uh, to accommodate them. All right, then uh, the question form, since uh, we're doing pre-recorded, we can't ask chat questions. So we're going to have just like a questionnaire uh, I have a bomb choose link for it. You're going to give written questions, whether it's a uh, tech stuff for Dan or like a speed run question about any game we run or just gen- anything at all. We'll, we'll answer questions. I think it'll be really entertaining to have like a mailbox type segment to this show where people can just ask questions and kind of get uh, answers to it. I, that's what I like. Um, for example, there's this one podcast that I listen to, the, the Bandrew Scott Says podcast, and people... You know, submit questions either you know via text or via voice or uh, whatnot, and just mainly audio related. But also sometimes they just ask them other weird, random questions. And having that segment where people can submit anything and then you know he gives a response to it is also really cool. All right, and that's that's it for this episode of No Major Opinions. Thank you for listening. Yeah. <laughs>